BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome to the Smirconish podcast for independent minds. Hey, gang, he is the former NATO Supreme Allied Commander, Vice Chair of the Carlisle Group, Chair of the Rockefeller Foundation. This is Admiral James Stavridis. Admiral, welcome back and thank you for being here. What a pleasure, Michael. Fire away. All right. The polls show a decline in American support for Ukraine. For example, APNORC, public support for aid for Ukraine had been 60 percent last May. It's now down to 48 percent. If I look at Pew Research, they say the number of people who believe we've given too much to Ukraine has grown from 7% a year ago to 26% now. Big divide as between the parties. 40% of Republicans think America has given too much compared with only 15% of Democrats. So which poses more of a threat to Ukraine, the Russian military or this growing political divide here at home? They both do. And certainly, if I were President Zelensky, I'd be very concerned about those polling numbers. I'd be doing everything I can to uh, provide the Biden administration the ammunition, no pun intended, it needs to communicate to the American public, A, why this is so important, B, that we, the Ukrainians, will prevail here, and C, This is not an endless Vietnam-like war that will go on for a decade or more. What do you say to those, and I get calls like this, I might get some today when you leave, who say, well, what's the U.S. vital interest? Like, what's our stake in this? What do we care? Um, Two things are vital here. One is we want to avoid a repetition of the terrible history of the 20th century. And all that means is when you give in to these kind of aggressors, for a smaller nation far away, you end up fighting them in a big way. And that's certainly what happened with Germany under the Nazis and the Japanese Empire. Point two, uh, Ukraine matters physically, strategically. Look at its location. It's also a massive country the size of Texas. It's full of oil, gas, agrarian products, wheat, corn, potash, the vital fertilizer, has an extensive coast on the Black Sea. So I would say philosophically, historically, this matters, and practically it matters. Final thought, at this point, they have the best trained, uh, one of the best equipped militaries in Europe. I think we want them in NATO. We want them on our side. We don't want to flip that to Vladimir Putin. Lead story at the Washington Post as we are speaking on the battlefield. It says Russia advances in Bakhmut. 
by sending waves of mercenaries to certain death. It's an incredible story. They say the Ukrainian troops <laughs> yeah. can tell from a distance whether they're going to fight Russian mercenaries or a more organized fighting force. Quote, the men enlisted to fight Russia's Wagner mercenary force, many of them convicted criminals recruited behind bars and sent to fight in Ukraine in exchange for their freedom, are dirtier. They don't have the same military uniform or flak jacket, and they typically move on Ukrainian positions early in the morning, attempting attack in irregular and unpredictable patterns, seemingly without any clear strategy. With your expertise, when you hear that, you think what? Um, I think of the Lord of the Rings, the orc armies that march across from the plains of Mordor, or zombies. These are unequipped, undisciplined troops. They're going to get mowed down by the Ukrainians, and that's what's happening. Having said that, Michael, quantity has a quality all its own, as the saying goes. Could they overrun uh, just by sheer mass of numbers, uh, possibly overrun some positions? Could the city of Bakhmut fall? I guess. I looked it up the other day, by the way. Bakhmut is the 56th largest city in Ukraine. It's the size of Henderson, Nevada, in a comparable way to the United States. And what does that mean so to you? It means this is not the Battle of Stalingrad. Got it. It means if, if, the, if Bakhmut falls, and we're talking on the media, Bakhmut, 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 um, if that falls, it is not some sudden strategic pivot in this war. I just am helping people keep it in perspective in that regard. Bottom line, the, the story here is the ill-trained, undisciplined, unequipped, and in some cases without ammunition, bodies that are simply being thrown at the Ukrainians. I think the Ukrainians in that long 600-mile front are going to prevail. Headline number three from the Wall Street Journal today, she takes rare direct aim at U.S. in speech. They say President Xi's comments marked an unusual departure for a leader who has generally refrained from directly criticizing the U.S. in public remarks, even as his decades-long leadership has demonstrated a pessimistic view of the bilateral relationship. Uh, your level of concern today about China providing lethal support to Ukraine. On a scale of 1 to 10, I think it's a 7 in terms of impact if they decided to do it in a big way. But in terms of likelihood of them doing it, scale of 1 to 10, I think it's about a 3. Um, I think President Xi is showing his nation, and he's got an internal audience the same way our leaders have internal audiences here. He's showing his nation that he will stand strongly in the face of U.S. pressure. Um, in that sense, our criticism of China um, can potentially push China in a direction we don't want them to go. I know the administration is cognizant of that. They've got a delicate balancing act here. Bottom line, President Xi is uh, speaking for domestic consumption, I don't think he believes, nor does he want, a war between the United States and China. Number four of five. By the way, thank you for playing along. I really appreciate this. <laughs> Love running through the headlines with Admiral James Stavridis. Thomas Meany, writing in the New York Times print edition last Friday. He's a fellow at the Max Planck Society in Germany who writes regularly on American foreign policy and international relations. The headline sums it all up in terms of his opinion. Ukraine can win only if NATO joins the fight. Do you agree? It depends on how you define win. If, if win means the vast majority of Ukraine 
inside its borders, say 90, 85 percent of Ukraine remains under Ukrainian control, uh, remains a democracy, remains aligned with the West, moves toward membership in the EU and NATO. If that's winning, then I think the Ukrainians can win without NATO boots on the ground. If you are going to define winning as kicking the Russians out of every square inch of Ukrainian soil, I think that is a very tall military order, and I'm a short guy. So I'll put it this way. Um, I think that would probably require NATO no-fly zone at a minimum, maybe boots on the ground. Which leads beautifully into our final uh, news story. Secretary Blinken met with Sergei Lavrov, the Russian foreign minister, last week on the sidelines of the G20 meetings. When is the right time to negotiate peace? Is it now? No, it's too soon, unfortunately. Both sides have to have a vested interest in coming to the table. And that means that the two clocks that are ticking are, for Vladimir Putin, it's the loss of troops. When does that really permeate his Russian society? When does he start to feel internal pressure? He's lost somewhere between 100,000 and 200,000 troops. That's going to start to bleed into his calculus. I'd say that happens late this year. The other clock is the one we discussed on headline number one. It is how fast will the West uh, diminish in its enthusiasm for spending, for support, for an ongoing conflict. Those, those two clocks are running. When those two clocks sort of chime together, I think it'll be toward the end of this year. Then you've got vested interest. Then you have time and a place, hopefully for a negotiation. But geez, Admiral, if his casualty count is dominated by these mercenary forces who've been let out of jail, mm-hmm. does he really feel that? Uh, much less. And uh, worth noting, the Wagner Group has stopped recruiting in the prisons. They're not doing that as an act of beneficence. They're doing that because that well is dry. So Putin is now going to have to cut more deeply into, if you will, Uh, elites in the Russian society. And I'll close with this, Michael. Um, 400,000, 500,000, number hard to pin down. Secretary Gates the other day said to me, 700,000 Russian military-age males have left Russia. They might as well be casualties of that war. They're not coming back. Did you? How did you say it? When the two clocks chime in unison? Yes. Then it's time for a negotiated peace. Yes. Admiral Stavridis, thank you so much for more information about you. The website, AdmiralStavStav.com, AdmiralStav.com. Follow him on social at J. Look forward to our conversation next week, and I thank you so much. Talk to you then, Michael. Thank you. Thank you, Admiral. This is the Smirconish Podcast from SiriusXM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. 
Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. A lot of fodder for us. I really like the way he just articulated that. I I tried to walk him through all the news, the headlines of the day, culminating with the, okay, is it now the time for peace? You know, headline number one show levels of support in the United States with this increasing partisan divide, you know, much more support among D's than among R's. And a, a growing reluctance on the part of a number of ours to buy in long term to Ukraine. And now with the 2024 election on the horizon, I think this becomes a critical issue as between DeSantis and Trump. So I, I think the divide will grow even more or said more simply, fewer Republicans will continue to be supportive of Ukraine on the battlefield. And he says, you know, the, the wells run dry. He, Admiral Stavridis, on the battlefield from today's Washington Post, this picture of what it's like in Bakhmut, where the enlisted men for the Wagner military force, mercenary force, they don't look like the others. Quote, the mercenary fighters typically move on Ukrainian positions early in the morning, attempting attacks in irregular and unpredictable patterns, seemingly without any clear strategy, which makes them seem unprepared for battle. The prisons are empty, and you just heard Admiral Stavridis say the number could be as high as 700,000 Russian men have left their homes because they don't want to fight. Then you've got China on the sideline sounding increasingly belligerent through the words, through the words of President Xi toward the United States, quote, Western countries, these are his words yesterday, Western countries led by the U.S. have implemented all-round containment, encirclement, and suppression against us, bringing unprecedentedly severe challenges to our country's development. That's what he was quoted as saying by the state media. Last week, this opinion piece by Thomas Meany saying, Ukraine can win this thing only if NATO joins the fight. Admiral Stavridis says, well, it depends how you define winning. Great point. Bringing us to the final question of, okay, when is it the right time to negotiate peace? Blinken met with Lavrov last week for the first time, just for 10 minutes. And you heard Admiral Stavridis say you need both clocks that are ticking to chime in unison. Putin's clock, where finally the exodus of men from their homes, the clear out of the prisons and the death of all those mercenaries leaves him nobody else. It's his death count. And it's our political calculus here in the United States. When both chimes are going in unison, then it's time for peace, and we're not there yet. Anne, you're in Yuma, Arizona. Greetings. What did you want to offer today? 
Michael. Hi, Michael. I was just wondering, why is the support for Ukraine so along party lines? I always thought Republicans were more hawkish than Democrats in general. So why don't the Republicans like this war? Well, that's a really great question, and I don't know if I can answer it, but I framed it uh, that way, thinking about Afghanistan in 1979. That's when the Soviet Union invaded Afghanistan. And it was Ronald Reagan's watch from, you know, he gets elected in 80, from 81 onward. He was the champion of the Afghan freedom fighters. I attended a number of conservative events in the 80s on his watch when there would be delegations of freedom fighters who were there fundraising. I I have a very close friend of mine to this day who I remember his family in the Philadelphia area, very prominent, well-to-do, raising money for Afghan freedom fighters back in the day because that was the Republican thing to do. But you're right. It it is now there has now been a shift, um, maybe because of a a rise of isolationism among the GOP. Maybe it's a Rand Paul type influence. Uh, And I'm not I'm not opposed to the idea that questions building bases all over the globe. I think we've gotten ourselves into too many wars. But I can't explain to you in a concise way why there has been this shift. But there definitely has been this shift. Okay. I just thought it's curious. It's curious to me. Well, and I, I agree think, with you that we are, we are too many places, but Right. Well, I'll I'll say I'll I'll put this I'll put this into the mix. The Russian invasion of Ukraine happened on Biden's watch and therefore, you know, the response yeah. of being supportive of Ukraine came from the Biden White House. Sadly, I think there's such a a lack of independent thinking that to some they say, oh, well, Biden is doing X. I guess I'm going to do Y. And so for no other reason than than Biden's on this side of the fence, I guess I better go in another direction. That's what I was afraid of, too. It's so sad. We're so we're just. Thank thank you, Anne. I appreciate it very much. What was the part of the uh, the Chris Rock? uh special tc and i both watched the chris rock special uh and in it and both liked it very much right both i mean cringeworthy and in it (laughs) he um one of us has watched it twice and in it he says that ukrainians are much more united than we are like we're so divided in this country right they're more united. They're more united than we are because they're united against russia and we're all divided that's true did i misstate that i think you knew what i was saying um, he also talked about age differences, you know, 40 and 50 year old women, younger women. It's quite an interesting special. That's it's quite an interesting. That's special. how you're going to sum up that part of the of the. I special. just wanted to see if you'd paid attention that, during that's that. That's how you're summing it up? that part of the conversation. Seriously? Hmm. Wow. This is the Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. 
Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories. Stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and on the SXM app. Jerry, greetings in Bluebell, Pennsylvania. Hi, what are you thinking? Hi, Michael. I, I have not heard an analogy to Neville Chamberlain and the people that don't want to back Ukraine because I think that it is a policy of appeasement. And I think the words Poland is next should be driven home, that if we pull out of Ukraine, Poland is going to be next on Russia's crosshairs. I'll tell you who agrees with you, the Polish people. That is definitely one of the reasons why they've been so welcoming and they've really borne the brunt of this. I saw it with my own eyes. I mean, they are the country that has risen to the task of, of being humanitarian in their relief. And my I'm sure they were Lithuanian. <laughs> ah, OK. Well, you know, I mean, they don't want to you know, they, they don't want to have Russia right on their door, which is also, I'm sure, beyond the humanitarian effort, a part of their motivation. Thank you for your phone call. When I when I said of Admiral Stavridis. That there is a uh, uh, a fellow at a German society who writes on American foreign policy and international relations who says the only way NATO is going to win, pardon me, the only way Ukraine is going to win is if NATO joins the fight. And you heard the admiral's response, which was to say it depends how you define winning. And I thought ah, that's a good observation. How does this author, Thomas Meany, define it? He says the following in talking about Zelensky that. Uh, one month into the conflict, President Zelensky said security guarantees and neutrality, non-nuclear status of our state. We are ready to go for it. Now he calls for complete victory, the reconquering of every inch of Russian occupied territory, including Crimea, including Crimea. So the Russians would have to be pushed back from where they are today to where they were a year and two weeks ago, and they would have to surrender Crimea which they annexed in 2014. So that's, you know, winning, at least according to that perspective. Uh, Lee is standing by in Granbury, Texas. Hey, Lee, greetings. What did you want to offer? Uh, basically, I'm a Republican, probably to the left of Trump, uh, but I agree with every single word that the Admiral said. Everything, not one thing out. Okay. In, in other words, the, the point is you agree with everything he said, even though you're to the left of Trump. Are you a Trump supporter, Trump voter? 
I did and will if he's the runner, but I won't vote for him to be the runner. Got it. Understood. Yeah, the admiral makes great sense to me. I, I, I'm glad that you were listening and glad that you uh, you found... Um, hey, wait a minute. Speaking it, of... Go yeah. ahead. No, I just wanted to thank Lee. Thank okay. you, Lee. Uh, speaking of Trump, it yes. appears that you are a TikTok star. I didn't know if you knew this or not, but you are indeed a TikTok star. Uh, the, Defined your, as what? Your TikTok yesterday uh, about Donald Trump at CPAC has been already viewed over 445,000 times. I wonder why. I think it was because you said, I watched the speech so you didn't have to, and you did a 60-second take on it, and then yeah. people felt like they would know. Do you want to, do you want to hear it? I yeah, have it here. if it's only 60 seconds, and, and it, that's right, that's yeah, the so limit. Yeah, so this is what TikTok is about. Yes. Now, ladies, Educate us, please. Yeah. No, even, no. even though I'm now a TikTok I'm superstar, now, according just, to you. I've just, I've just dried up. That's right. it. Just follow Michael on TikTok. <laughs> You'll be cooler for it. But wait, TC, yes. why... Let's listen to it, and then then we'll let's try then, let's try and figure out why why, why? would TikTok take an interest in, in this? this. Right. Here we go. Take a hey gang, I watched Donald Trump's speech at CPAC this weekend so that you didn't have to. Here's my takeaway. I mistakenly believed in 2016, after he secured the nomination, that he was going to pivot toward the center to run against Hillary, that he would be the Studio 54 Donald, the Donald who was not an ideologue, the Donald who donated to both Republicans and Democrats. But that's not how he ran and won. And then came the inaugural address. W turns to Hillary after listening to what Trump had to say and said, that was some pretty dark shit. And then it set the stage for how he governed. I watched the speech this weekend. It's Trump 2.0 doubling down on some of those same themes, inviting his followers to seek retribution through his candidacy. And the takeaway mostly is this. Our elections have become all about motivation, not persuasion. He feels no obligation to convince anybody who's not already for him to vote for him. If I had it to do over again, I wouldn't say for him and for him, but I don't know why. Hey, no why one was taking away from know. it. First of all, I like what I said, and I packed a lot into 60 seconds. Okay, so. There are uh, over 1,600 comments on it. With, with, with not much humility, he says it was pretty well done. But still, why would TikTok, why would 450,000 people on TikTok uh, find that of interest? Pretty cool. Do you know? I don't know. I don't know. Either. I don't know. I have no idea. I, I, have no, I don't know. Those youngins. The youngins. Yeah, they like the lecture that yeah. they got on Trump. Yeah, on they're Trump, learning a little something. Trump, Who knew? On Trump 2.0. Yeah. Maybe it was the purple, the purple ascot, the purpled shirt. I don't think they're so superficial as to be taken in by my attire. Good color. Good, like, you know, faces I look, looking good. I look good. good every day. I don't think oh, that's geez. what it, what it was. Go. Yeah. Hey, selfishly, I am taking Ray Bond from Troy, North Carolina, because Ray Bond is going to tell me, why Why would that TikTok video do so well? I really don't understand TikTok, Ray Bond. Tell me. So uh, I'm a teacher. I, I called a couple weeks back and talked about uh, another teacher issue that we well, that was uh, the discussion of the day. Okay. And kids like TikTok. They, they enjoy getting the news and getting information in these short, quick, uh, quick bites. So a 60 second roundup was beautiful. Yeah, but uh, I post things there every day. Alice, who's the, the editor of the newsletter, helps me in that regard. And I don't get that kind of traffic. Why would that, me talking about Trump at CPAC, why would that go viral? Sounds like it's a subject area that they're interested in. Uh, yeah, politics I is guess. something that they, this generation may be trying to get involved into. And with the opportunity to hear about this side of the story, uh, it may have just caught their attention. Yeah, 
I don't know. I mean, I don't have a better answer, but um, maybe maybe there's a thirst for politics. Thank you, Ray Bond. I do appreciate it. The Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. Listen to Michael Smirconish live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee.